You are listening to the Age of Heroes podcast, a podcast dedicated to pop culture, fandom, and the geek world. My name is JP Saurikolia. I am a digital creator committed to inspiring others to pursue their passions, their dreams, and goals. I am sitting down with creators and influencers from all walks of life to talk about their work, their experiences, and how to make a positive impact. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, how you doing? JP Sari Kolia here, and welcome again to another episode, this uh, week's episode of Age of Heroes, uh, this podcast. And today I have a guest of honor. I'm so, I'm honored to have him here with, with us today. Uh, Tim Miller, also known, known as Tim K. Miller uh, from Tim, uh, Tim K. Miller Studios. TK Miller Studios, I'm sorry. He is a fascinating sculptor. Uh, I have known him, not personally. I just recently met him in person. We're f now friends on Facebook. Right? This is the place to hang out now. But um, I admire his work. I admire his work since I remember, since I saw um, the stuff he was doing with SciShow back in the day. Uh, and he has a lengthy career. He was telling me before we got into the recording, uh, before we started doing the podcast, that he's been in the industry for 26 years, uh, which is a long time in in this industry. But he's been working with some of the biggest companies, uh, McFarlane Toys, uh, SciShow Collectibles, has done stuff with Bowen Designs, is DC Collectibles, this is direct. Uh, most recently he was working uh, with, I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if he's still working with them, but Super 7. So he's been working with a lot of companies, so many, and he's super talented, one of the best sculptors, in, in my opinion, that I've met probably in the last 10, uh, 20 years. Uh, his work is amazing, um, particularly the stuff that he does for, I think he's been known for the stuff he, he does for female bodies, you know, women, all stuff. He's amazing doing that. But he has done stuff in, uh, across the board where there is with uh, Lord of the Rings, stuff for Star Wars, Marvel, DC, so you name it. Uh, welcome to the show, Tim. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me, JP. You're welcome. And, and Tim, um, of course, this is what I know that I introduce you here now. Who is Tim Miller? <laughs> a guy who sits around in his pajamas and, <laughs> and scribbles on a computer screen. Um, I, uh, I've been married for 14 years. I have a little boy that's a very high energy seven-year-old boy um, and uh, a pretty active family life. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd like... I live a rather non-glamorous -gla life. Glamorous life. I, yeah, I just, like I said, I just sit around in my pajamas and scroll on a computer screen. I used to sit around in my pajamas and play with clay, but that's been a long time ago. Do you still do it? Do you still do some clay? I haven't touched clay since 2018. Wow. Hopefully, hopefully I get to, get to uh, in, enjoy that again sometime in the, not too far future. Now, I'm guessing the reason why you moved from clay to digital, it was just a, a career choice, you know, because that's what it's happening now, more than just because you prefer it. Um, if you have to choose between clay and digital, what is um, your favorite technique? Well, there are a lot of really cool things I can do with ZBrush, the program I use for mm -hmm. digital modeling. 
Um, I would say sculpting digitally for me doesn't come naturally. Okay. So if, if I could sculpt traditionally as fast as I could digitally, um, I would prefer that, but it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I said, I, I guess I didn't love it enough that I, I would keep doing it. Um, another sculptor that shall remain nameless, uh, before I was, I had gone digital. Mm -hmm. Um, I had asked another formerly traditional sculptor about going back and just sculpting in clay for fun. Mm -hmm. And he responded to me, no, I like to get paid. <laughs> so, you know, but like I said, you know, um, hopefully in the not too distant future, I regain my love for it. And that's part of the problem is, is I just, for me now, I, I don't love sculpting. I don't love digital sculpting. Um, but I'm also not ready to just jump back into clay. Mm. It's interesting because, yeah. um, I remember, um, you know, I'm not an artist. I am a collector. I'm a person that is always paying attention. I love to be around uh, artists and trying to pick their knowledge and trying to find out more about what they do, how they see the world. And I remember uh, when there was this transition be uh, from, you know, from traditional sculpting to digital sculpting and forums got heated, you know, a lot of people were into this <laughs> defenders and the, the people that are in favor of it, the pros and the cons. And of course there were a lot of traditional artists that say, you have to move, you have to move with this, or we're going to be left behind. And uh, many people did the transition. Some people still stuck their guns and they still doing the traditional stuff. But those are the guys that you are hardly hearing anything about anymore, unless they're, you know, on Facebook groups, sharing some of their work. Uh, and in some way it's sad to see that because, and you know, um, we get in this influx of so many artists from around the world doing a lot of digital stuff but they don't have a real understanding of the material. So they have an understanding of anatomy or they don't have an understanding of the things that only happen when you're touching, I suppose, the clay in person. And I'm, I'm just kind of phrasing what other people have said. Um, it, is digital sculpting lifeless in itself? Is there any enjoyment at all when you're doing any digital stuff? For me, um, there are occasionally things where I'll, I'll go through a process um, and I'll think, okay, that was cool. I, I actually successfully did that. There's a lot of problem solving with, with working digitally, which in a lot of ways I enjoy, but it's very tiring. <laughs> um, uh, traditional sculpting kind of, flew, kind of flowed out of me. It, um, mm. It was, uh, it just came very naturally to me and digital. It's never been like that. It's, it's been pushing a rock uphill the whole way. Yeah. How you got into it? How you got into all of it, you know, to become a sculptor? Sculpting? Yep. Um, well, uh, I'll try to keep it short. Take your time, you know, <laughs> open <Okay>. mic. <laughs> um, during a period in college, my senior year, I had the opportunity to get to know 
a number of professional puppeteers okay. and special effects artists. Mm. And I went to school in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. And um, George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic wasn't that far uh, north of where I was going to school. And I got to meet, got to know, um, got to get to know. I became real good friends with a few special effects artists from mm. ILM and then uh, a, a few professional puppeteers that were doing stuff for TV and film. Mm-hmm. And um, I was pre-med at the time. I figured I would take a couple of years off from, uh, from okay. my studies after I graduated. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, at some point, study for, for medical school again. And um, I started hanging around with these people mm-hmm. and uh, thought it looked really cool. And uh, picked up some clay one day and tried to do something with it. And it didn't come out half bad. Mm. And uh, one of the guys from ILM took a look at it and he said, wow, that's, that's really good. You didn't do that, did you? And I said, yeah, I did. And he didn't believe me. Mm. Um, so uh, one thing led to another. And I ended up working for a small special effects company that also doubled as a sculpting house. They worked on a lot of toys. Okay. And uh, I worked with that company for five years got to work on a few uh worked on matrix two and three. Oh wow and, yeah worked on on large stuff large large cave sets i see after that i decided to go to go freelance and uh started sculpting wizard of oz characters okay and, and uh aid characters and i had only been doing freelance work for not quite six months before I made a connection at San Diego Comic-Con with uh, mm-hmm. Gene St. Gene at McFarland Toys. Mm-hmm. And um, within a couple of days, I was working on uh, Spawn characters. Oh, wow. So and, I didn't know you did Spawn figures. Uh, only a couple. Okay. There have only been a couple in there. Um, but within the first month, um, I started working on Terminator three, working on the portraits for it. So okay, that that was that was kind of a a big uh, a, a big point in my career where it was like, wow, I'm I'm really doing this. Yeah, yeah. And then I I went on to do well over seven hundred heads for McFarland. Wow, that's a big number. Wow, seven hundred! Like, if you do that one a day, you're looking at what seven hundred? Like two years, just nonstop every day sculpting one head. If you, yeah, well, that was doing the that math. was over the course of that was between two thousand two and two thousand ten. So yeah, eight yeah. years. Wow, that's a big that's a big record right there. So that's a lot of different heads for, and this is for figures, correct? For other figures that we're producing. Yeah, most most of the sports figures. Okay, you did the sports stuff. Yeah. I used to be a fan. Man, you've been all around. And what happened after uh, you were at McFarland Toys? Um, in two thousand and eight, early in the summer of two thousand and eight, McFarland um, they decided that they would go to a strictly digital model. Okay. So, you know, basically all the traditional sculptors that worked there in house. They were all let go. 
Mm. Uh, I was one of the only freelancers that still worked with them, but uh, my workload cut into about a third. Mm. So at that point, I started doing more work for Sideshow. Yeah. Um, I had already done a lot of Star Wars figures. Well, I had done a lot of portraits for them, um, including a lot of Star Wars portraits. And it was the end of 2007 when I first did the Adam Hughes Rogue for them. Mm-hmm. Beautiful piece. Thank you. And that, that was a, a turning point in the career also because after that, nobody was hiring, hiring me to do portraits. All they wanted were, were female figures. Yeah, because you did that and, and you were working there for, with Saisha for, for a while. You did a lot of different things with them, different pieces. What other companies were you they, working at the time? Um, I don't, I don't like working with a lot of clients simultaneously. Okay. Um, I, I always figure like someone's going to get the short end of the stick. Um, sure. so, um, during the time that McFarland and Sideshow were, I, I worked with them simultaneously for a while. And then I worked with Sideshow and DC simultaneously for a while. Okay. And, um, and then I just got so busy with, with DC that Sideshow just kind of fell along the wayside. Yeah, because, um, and you did work at some point with, did some stuff for, um, also with Bowen Designs. It, um, but I think the biggest, uh, most people, and of course, those who have been here for quite some time, like people like myself, they might remember, of course, the Adam Hughes line. They remember those lines. But I think the one that for a lot of people put you on the map was when you were working with DC Collectibles, particularly on the DC Bombshells line. Um, you were a big part of that. Were, were you the art director at that for that particular line or? Just a sculptor. No, no, funny enough, I've never I've never really gotten to art direct my own pieces. Okay. Um out, outside of you know the times that I've had people working in-house for me, but uh no, uh uh with the bombshells, I was strictly the hands-on guy. Um those were all the de- all almost all designed by Aunt Lucia. Yeah. And uh yeah. I remember that. And uh, and then Emanuela uh Lupacino, Lupacino, kill me. <laughs> um, but they were uh, they were almost all exclusively art directed by Brian Walters. Okay. So how was your experience, particularly with the DC bombshells? Because I remember when this line came out, and of course, you know, one thing I remember about DC, unfortunately, now defunct. Um, although I see that now it's just a comeback, you know, through McFarland toys, they're, they're doing some stuff together. But I remember that when, when they, you know, one thing I, I can admire about DC collectibles was the fact that they were always experimenting with new ideas. And one of them was of course the DC bombshells in my mind. I'm thinking when this is coming out, this is not going to be big. This is going to be another experiment. It's going to maybe last a few pieces and it's done and they move to the next thing. But it kept going along for quite some time. It became very popular. Um, I, you know, there were a lot of cons where even a lot of people were cosplaying, you know, based on the art that was there. Um, uh, how, what do you think about that? It was, it, was that one favorite of yours? One of the, the stuff that you have done, the DC bombshells? Are you, you love doing that? As, 
as far as uh, a line altogether, mm-hmm. uh, um, it's, it's hard to compare with, with say the Adam Hughes line that I was working on with okay. Sideshow. They're stylistically, they're very, very different. Very different. Um, which is your favorite child? What is that? <laughs> Sophie's choice. Yeah. Um, I don't, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I really don't know because there, there are pieces in the Adam Hughes stuff that I did that, um, that I really liked. And there are pieces, ah, probably the bombshells. Yeah. I, cause now when I look at the Adam Hughes stuff, except for, except for the Laura Croft stuff, anytime I look at the Adam Hughes stuff, I always see the things that I don't like. About don't like. And the thing is this, yeah. you know, you see it from the perspective of, as an artist, you're critical of your art because you're the one that did it. But for us, I was, I was going through, of course, you know, I do my homework before I do any interviews. So I, I was going through a lot of things because I was saying, like, if I'm going to interview Tim Miller, and I don't want to waste his time asking stupid questions. I want to be able to, <laughs> I'm going to go in so detail. Ask a stupid question. Yeah. So, um... I went and started going like yesterday. I was reading different blogs. I was looking for, for interviews that they had about you and things like that. And I was going through all this stuff and looking at all the stuff that you have done over the years. And I still can see a lot of the art that you did, particularly with the Adam Hughes collection that has been quite some time. But in my mind, of course, I am a collector. I'm not an expert. I don't, I'm, I don't have your expertise. I'm not an artist. So I'm not seeing what you're seeing. But to me, it's like I look at those pieces and to me, they're still timeless. I can still see how beautiful like they stand up to some of the best things that are coming out now, which really is a testament of your work and your, what you did. But of course I'm seeing it as a person that is as a consumer, not as a producer or as a person that is involved in the process. And uh, are you really critical of your work? I can see uh, as an artist, do you constantly criticize everything you do? Yeah, absolutely. But to, sometimes to the point where it's, um, it can be a hindrance. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I said, I I can't divorce myself from the work enough to and like it's the older I get, the the easier it is to lose my objectivity. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, I and digitally, it's even it's even more challenging. Yeah, it's um, tra- translating a 3D object through a, t- a two-dimensional surface and then, you know, only seeing the fault in it. It's, it's a challenge. I'm sure. Now, um, as you mentioned this, um, you know, and this is like you said, and you said it earlier, it's hard to pick, you know, like you have to choose between who is your best child. We all have our favorites. Uh, even though sometimes we don't express it that way. And I know you have done so much work. Um, what is, and you kind of mentioned something about DC uh, bombshells, but what is your favorite work that whatever you have done until this point, what is the work that you take more pride in because you did it? What is the one that makes you so happy to look at from all the pieces? And you have done hundreds, whether it's portraits, you know, statues, is there any, anything that you feel so proud of that you were able to accomplish it? 
Um, I did, uh, I got to work with, uh, Thomas Blackshear on a few pieces. Okay. Um, Tom, uh, uh, let's see, Mark Newman, mm-hmm. uh, worked on Thomas's Ebony Visions line for a number of years through mm-hmm. Willits. And then I worked on two of the pieces in the line for Willits and Lennox. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the pieces was an angel holding, I think they call the type of horn a shafar. Okay. Um, it's, it's a type of horn that kind of wraps around like this. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm not sure. I think it's, well, it's used in certain religious ceremonies. Okay. Uh, so it's an angel sitting on top of a pedestal um, with uh with these flowing robes hanging down and uh, it's probably my most favorite. And that was for the Ebony Visions line for Thomas Blackshear. Mm. He's a great guy. We're still friends. And that's another thing that I, I, I see on this community of artists and all this guilds of artists that there's so plenty is that they're so close to each other. It's like, because you develop all these friendships, um, along the way, you know, people that are part of the industry where, um, that even though people decide to move away or, you know, you're far away, you do things, you still build these relationships. And, um, I noticed that most artists, they have a tendency to be more introverts because that's the nature. Um, and definitely is the only way you can keep your sanity, you know, being away from the world, be able to concentrate on something, to build something. Uh, I think the extrovert I am, I feel that I'm in between, but I think extroverts are tend to be more, they focus on everything, but they focus on nothing at all. Um, and it's hard to really develop skills to fix on something like, and that's what you were saying early on. Like you see things that you have created in the past, but you still see the problems because you're constantly in your mind working on the same piece, even though you already kind of finished it, you already gave it for them to, to you know, to do whatever needs to be done for production. You still have that in your mind. You're still building that. You're still trying to find the imperfection so you can perfect your 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 art. I'm sure that that's challenging. At the same time, it can be it could be a blessing, it can be a curse. <laughs> oh, it's it's absolutely maddening when when a, a product arrives and you open up the box and you look at it and you go like, "Why didn't I fix that? I didn't see that before." You know, it's you know, it's kind of like. For me, I'm I'm not a painter, mm. um, even digitally, so I never really see the full picture until I see it painted. Okay. And um, and as a collector, you know that um, oftentimes the images that are put online for uh, for pre-orders, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're seeing the prototype, and the prototype ends up looking oftentimes very different from the product once mm-hmm. you get it in hand. And um usually it's it's been my experience that the stuff that doesn't quite look completely right in sculpture and the prototype mm-hmm. is gonna end up looking a hundred times worse in mm-hmm. the final product. It's just it's gonna accentuate it. And I know that for most people it probably isn't like that. Most people probably don't know what it's at all. Mm-hmm. But myself is 
the one that spends so much time in the clay or the wax or digitally. I've spent so much time with it and I think that I've got it perfect. And then to have it arrive and like, oh, that nose looks awful. <laughs> yeah. so, and I have one piece that I'll never, ever display because as beautiful as it is, the nose on it is awful. Oh, wow. So you have some of the, your work that you just simply decide just to keep in the box because you're just not happy with it. <laughs> wow, that's something. Yeah, you know, you are, it's, it's interesting to see that, um, to hear it from you, definitely. Um, because I'm just a consumer, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just looking at, I just want the final product. And, and sometimes just the name attached to it means a lot to a lot of collectors. Because a lot of us, oh, this is coming from Tim Miller. Oh, this is from Mark Newman. Oh, this is going to be good. So we're looking at just the name attached to it. We're not critical because, first of all, we didn't build it. Um, we Everything we see is perfection. Um, but you on the, other, on the opposite side, as the creator, you're looking at your creation and saying, well, it could have been done better. I could have done this in a different way. It's a... Something that I ne necessarily, I, you know, I never really thought until you mentioned it the way you're mentioning it. I, I feel like, okay, that makes total sense. Um, you think that there's also attached to some level of insecurity in the, for, from artists? Uh, for me, it, if it stems from insecurity, it wouldn't be a big surprise. Okay. Um, I, I've always been very insecure about my work. Okay. Me, you know, I probably shouldn't say that. I think there was a there was a time in my career very early on where um, it wasn't insecure as much. As, uh, I wasn't insecure, but I I definitely had some hubris. So, mm -hmm. But I think over the years, um, you know, what is it? What is it they say that the older you get, uh, the more you know, the more you realize you know you nothing. Right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. The less yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I think that's part of it. And seeing what some of these people are doing now is just mind numbing. Uh, you know, I, I told another, um, another guy, another traditional sculptor that I was trying to encourage him to, uh, to make the transition to digital. Mm -hmm. um, I told him there was a time when our singular marketable ability Mm -hmm. was to recreate something accurately at a diminutive scale. Mm. Meaning we can small scope small things really well and make it look pretty accurate, accurate enough. When toy and collectible companies started using digital artists, that need went away. Mm -hmm. The need for that, that unique skill of being able to sculpt diminutively, fairly accurately, it was a moot point because digitally you can sculpt something absolutely enormous that's then going to get reproduced down to an inch. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, at that point, I think we all started, all sort of started to see the clock was ticking and there were a few holdouts mm -hmm. but uh yeah and i think there's there's probably a couple of guys that can still get away with sculpting traditionally mm -hmm. uh, i think 
one of the sculptors at NECA still sculpts traditionally. Okay. Um, uh, I don't want to speak out of turn though, but um, yeah. Did I answer your question? No, yeah, no, there. you did. No, you did. You did good. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just like nowadays. Um, whatever you turn around, it's everything's digital. You know, you hardly heard anything that is uh, dig uh, traditional. And you know, of course, um, you know, we can be purists and says, well, traditional is best. I think at the end of the day, it depends on the artist. Um. But, of course, I'm not an artist, so I can't really say it. Um, but, uh, you know, there is, I suppose, there is beauty. And I can still see it, the beauty of people doing something with their hands. But, of course, you do the same thing when you're doing digitally. But there is something in between. Of course, there's programs in place that can do certain things. Now, this brings me to something that is happening most recently. Um, and perhaps you have, you maybe know exactly where we're going on this one. Um, now the whole AI controversy that is happening everywhere. Um, what is your take on it, on, on this AI thing? Because it's something, it's a conversation right now from, in most artists groups. I probably align with where most artists fall. Mm -hmm. Um, the idea that the AI programs have scraped the internet um, for images that in many cases are copyrighted images mm -hmm. um, or at least at the very least aren't part of public domain. Um, it, these companies have basically scraped the internet for their libraries. So first I think there's the issue of art theft mm -hmm. or misappropriation and um then i have a real problem with being able to enter a certain artist's name into a prompt and have the program spit out something that would be in the exact style of the artist mm -hmm. which as an artist i think is also very dangerous because then you can end up with true forgeries yeah so you think that um there is a threat for even for digital sculpting uh, for this industry to see that of course right now the technology it's it's evolving you know it's growing and as long as as you know as you know this as a person that's been in the industry as long as companies can you know you know increase the profits by reducing the cost um there is a real threat for a lot of artists, including digital sculptors and sculptors, just to be left out as traditional sculptors have been left out in, in order to give space for, you know, digital sculpt sculptors. Um, yeah, uh, it's, I have to say, it's, it's actually been a consideration. We haven't really hit on this, but I'm, I'm leaving the field. Mm -hmm. uh, and Part of the consideration has been that I think that AI, if it continues with the trend that it is, it's probably not that far off before um, a lot of digital sculptors are going to find themselves out of work. I think there's going to be a lot of artists in general mm -hmm. that find themselves out of work. You know, the technology is still, it, it hasn't been around quite so long. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's only getting better. At some point, the companies that are developing the software are going to figure out this if if there's a legal issue that actually comes out of um, what's going on with scraping the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there have been some lawsuits filed. They're probably going to need to change their ways to some degree, but it's probably not going to go away altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they'll eventually get around that too. Um, so yeah, I think you know it, right now you can take a picture or take a few pictures and email it off to a particular website and they'll 3D print your head for you mm. um, or 3D print the photos that you send in. Um, I don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't know if they have have children, you know, locked away somewhere that are just ZBrush savants that are, that are figuring it out. I don't know how they're doing it, but it doesn't look bad. Mm-mm. And so I think it's it's not that far off. I I think all artists need to be aware of what's going on. And, uh, like I said, I'm I'm leaving the field, and I'm not I'm not going to say that that was the deciding factor, but it was one of the small small parts leading up to the whole thing. One of them, yeah. It's it's like for example, I I can say this. Um, I can use an example because it makes sense what you're saying right here. Uh, total sense. Like for example, Hasbro recently, you only download an app. I don't know if you're familiar with this one, but uh, you take a picture of yourself, I think different angles with the phone that you have through the app and you send it to, um, you decide to buy a, a figure, whether it's a Ghostbusters figure or whether it's a Power Ranger or whatever character, G.I. Joe character that you choose, but you want it to have your face. All you got to do is do whatever, take the pictures on the app and send it to them and they'll sculpt the face on the little figure and they ship it to you for whatever, $50 or something like that. And it's the thing that they're promoting now. I see the ads on Facebook, you know, because they're promoting that. So technically this takes away from you because back in the day, if you want to have a, a sculptor, like you were, like you said, you started doing portraits. You have to have a real sculptor doing the portrait. Now everything is through the AI, through this app. And they can mass produce whatever needs to be done. So it's like you said, it's so close to us that we don't even see it. Um, it is really, it's taken away from people like you. Um, it's taking your livelihood, it's just taking your job. So it's leaving you in a, in a really tight spot, which in my, in my mind is also taking away some of that quality and value that you were able to provide as an artist because there are things that are irreplaceable in my mind. Um, nobody can replace what Da Vinci did. And I don't think nobody can replace what Tim Miller has done over the years. And not only you, but so many artists that are involved with the K brothers, the Chai brothers or the Shiflet brothers, or so many other artists in the industry that they have done such amazing work that you might be able to come closer, but you said, but this is not the real thing. This is not the authentic piece coming from, from you, from the, you know, people like you. I don't know if you were aware of that the hazard was doing that (laughs) I, I I wasn't no, and that's mind blowing. Um, see, it's happening already. Um, yeah, uh, you know, even early on in my career, when I first started doing stuff for McFarland, some of the work that I was doing as as far as being one of their main portrait sculptors, um, 
they would occasionally scan people's faces and then they would ship me the scan and I would clean up the scan. Usually it meant a lot of re-sculpting on these. Um, there was a lot of distortion and then you have to account for like how much the thing is going to shrink in manufacturing. Um, but it definitely needed a, a set of hands on it. Um, but I never, I never felt like, oh, this is going to completely replace us because there's still a lot of hands-on work. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think the technology is getting with, with what we're seeing now with the new technologies, it's just getting more and more sophisticated. And, um, you know, people are turning out some real, I'm, I'm not a fan of AI art, but people are turning out some really cool stuff with it. Yeah. I've seen some of the stuff they've done and I'm, I'm blown away. So like, wait a minute, a computer did this <laughs> and yeah. a, a program did this. How were they able to come up with all this, which and, and sadly is brings like any person that has no talent. Like for example, if I don't have any talent on this on what you do, I'm able to produce at the same level of a person that has been doing this for 26 years. That's scary. Um, that's scary for anything, it, you know, regardless of whatever industry, um, it takes away all your, because technically your experience of many years, it's pretty much brought down into a program. You just press, just click the button and automatically does everything for you. You don't have to have that experience, you know, feel experience that you've been having, you know, all the years of going through training and doing the work. Yeah, you know, there's there's a certain level of uh, I, I think a lot of artists have expressed a certain level of frustration with uh, AI curators, as I like to call them, um, that uh, that people have come across AI like, oh, look, it's it's so easy, and look, we're great artists now, mm. and um, the by and large, most of the art artist community has taken a stance of, wait a minute, no, you type, typed, you typed in some stuff. It's not the same as devoting your life to learning a skill or a craft. Um, but that being said, as, as far as, like I said, I've seen some amazing stuff. To me now, I've become so jaded in this that, um, I was looking at Instagram the other day and there was a series of um, a series of pictures of Batman all in different costumes, like kind of military looking costumes. And each of the costumes was really different. And the backgrounds were really detailed. It looked like photographs. Mm. And um, so I'm scrolling through and there's like about six or seven of these pictures. And I said, these have got to be AI. There's no way that someone sat down and created all these costumes and took all these pictures or someone sat down and sculpted all these different characters in ZBrush. Mm. It was like, it's, it's too perfect. It must be AI. What a crazy concept now that it's already so invaded our art psyche, what we're thinking about in terms of the art world. It's so invaded that space 
that the first thing that comes to my mind when I see something that's really looking spectacular that I don't know, maybe took somebody six months to do all these ama this amazing imagery between ZBrush and Substance Painter and Maya for render Arnold or you know mm -hmm. whatever. Someone could have really put in this time, but I immediately pass it off as no, someone couldn't have put in that much work on this. It must be AI. Mm. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is crazy. Now, so do you think as we're going as the, the, the pretty much as the speed we're going with this, do you think traditional sculpting, traditional art as a whole is at risk? of dying out to becoming something obsolete that people are not caring anymore to go to art school just because of that or taking anything that has to do with traditional art just because now they feel that oh ai is the thing so i need to get into that train i don't think ai is going to replace traditional okay. art as far as fine art is considered okay i think in terms of commercial art yeah there's there's a strong possibility i mean it's almost already replaced traditional art in terms of commercial arts, unless it's someone's niche. I mean, okay. you've, you've got artists that are known for a particular medium and they're big enough artists that they're not going to get replaced. Mm -hmm. um, but by and large, I think for most traditional art, um, it's going to end up falling mostly to fine art. Mm -hmm. in that space so if you have to say That's anything like let's say because i there, i'm sure that that this the whoever is watching or listening there are a lot of people that particularly i would say young people who are interested in into getting into to this industry or get into the art they want to express themselves through the different you know art um styles there is or whatever um they want to get into it but there's so much misinformation or so many mixed messages going around, but they want to get into it. What would be your recommendation to, to them, to these young people that want to get into, into this? They want to get into art? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm probably the wrong person to ask since I'm <laughs> in the field. Um, I'd say go get an, a degree in accounting. Um, <laughs> no, you know, um, I didn't come, I didn't come into it in a traditional manner. I, I majored in biology in school. Mm -hmm. Like the, the only class, the only art class I took in art after junior high school was, uh, in college, it was a total fluff class and it was woodblock printmaking. <laughs> and I'm not joking. The instructor spent about 20 minutes of the very first class session explaining how to use the tools and how to how to basically do it. it was a fairly simple process he spent about 20 minutes you know sort of explaining this and demonstrating it and then said go have fun for the rest of the semester <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't like we weren't talking about color theory or composition <laughs> or anything like that lighting we were just playing so i never i never studied art um mm. i just it just kind of came naturally to me when I, when I started pursuing it. Do you have, we all have our, our heroes. We all have the people we, who we admire, um, in any thing we do, but are there any person that 
they were your mentors, I imagine, at the beginning, but also the people that you're looking uh, up to when you were doing your work, and you still up to this day you look up to. Um, the person I learned the most from uh, as, in terms of sculpting was a wonderful woman by the name of Camilla Portugues. She passed away just this last year. Or hear that. And she, we did a lot. We did a lot of sculpting for Galoob Toys, the company I worked for. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was, she was the one that was responsible for the heads. And so she sculpted the Spice Girl doll heads. And, okay. And uh, they were, I guess, they were big sellers at the time. Um, she sculpted. Pamela Anderson mm. for a Pamela Anderson Barbie doll. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not joking. Um, all kinds of fun stuff, but uh, we did a lot of educational, educational toys, but I picked up a lot from her. And mm -hmm. um, a lot of times there wasn't so much me sitting down. A lot of it was me sitting down and just watching her and having her explain her process. And, um, so as far as as far as my introduction to sculpting, she was the most responsible, most. most responsible for that, and uh, I probably would say I looked up to her the most. Mm -hmm. Are there someone you guys have never heard of? No, um, but it's good, you know. Sometimes, like you said, the people that sometimes do the most impact in our lives are people that introduce us into something might be unfamous for other people, but they're the ones that impacted us to do what we do. Um, now as a person that now that you're doing this, and of course you have plenty of experience, but there's a lot of artists doing stuff still that they are involved in the industry. Are there any artists that you admire? And sometimes you, perhaps you, sometimes you feel envious, but not in that bad way, but in a good way because of the, the stuff they do are, are you looking at some new artists, young artists that they're doing amazing stuff? Who are your favorite artists at the moment? Uh, well, Mark Newman has always been someone that, um, that I've, always admired his work um everything from his his stuff for uh for the ebony visions line for thomas blackshear mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it if you haven't ever seen any of mark's old stuff i encourage you to look it up um again it's ebony visions i've always looked up to mark's work he's an amazing artist and a super nice guy you know that's one of the things with this business is almost all of these people are really really nice people mm -hmm. um, most of them aren't most of them are are pretty humble um which is which is great which is why it's easy to be friends with so many of these guys is um their humility um, but yeah i would say i uh i've always looked up to mark um brandon and jared shiflet play mm -hmm. um, more um, gene saint gene I'm I'm missing Joe Mena. Joe Mena. Um, I'm missing I'm missing so many guys in here that are just amazing artists and, and great people to boot. Mm-hmm. Um, now talking about the you know, we're talking about the artists, but also talking about some of these companies. Um right now our companies are doing amazing work. A lot of different companies are coming out. There's uh in some way we can say that there is uh, flooding in the market with so many products. Um, but there are companies that they're doing terrific work. Um, and a lot of companies are coming also from Asia. 
What is your opinion about some of these companies, companies like Prime One Studio? What is your opinion of companies, perhaps JND Studios? A lot of these different studios coming out from Korea. What do you think about them? The stuff these guys are putting out is mind blowing. Um, and, and to be honest, it's yet another reason why, um, why I'm leaving the industry. I just can't keep up. <laughs> you know, the stuff that, that people are doing now is just so beautiful. Um, it, it really is. It's astounding. You know, even, I mean, everything from, from what they're doing, Sideshow, mm -hmm. on the toy side, Hot Toys. Um, they're just, they're all doing such beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah. I dig it. I dig what they're doing. Now, you mentioned that uh, you're, of course, you're leaving the industry, that it's, um, that, 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 and what are, what are the reasons that, um, and of course you have mentioned a few of those reasons here. Um, and it would be sad to see you go, but I understand that, um, you know, there's always a time limit for everything in life. Um, but what are, what are the reasons for our, our listeners that perhaps is the first time they, they're hearing this? Well, it's the first time I've said it in, yeah. a, in a public in a, space, in any kind of a public manner outside of uh, a few close friends and family. Um, I've ended up with, uh, with a few repetitive motion in injuries mm. that aren't healing because every day I'm doing the same thing. Um, you know, so that's, that's a big deciding factor. Um, and you know, just the trends in the industry, it's, it's the same for me to go. Um, you know, uh, I'm, as far as being a, a digital artist, I'm, I think I'm on the slow end of things and, um, it's just, I can't keep up with the level of expectation. And again, with the injuries, um, and quite honestly, I've fallen out of love with it. Um, there was, there was a time that I really loved what I do and what I did. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm not there. I'm not there anymore. And uh, hopefully after I take some time off, yeah. maybe I'll uh, come back and do some fine artwork. I, I doubt that I'll ever return to the industry. I mean, unless unless a company wants to offer me an art director job that, that I can fall into. Mm -hmm. But as far as my as far as sculpting digitally, it's I, th I think my days are up. So in, in, in this way, um, in some way, you're trying to perhaps, you know, like you say, you need to take a break for your own good. And for your health, for your sanity, I mean your family's sanity at the same time, um, but also uh, just perhaps to rekindle that passion at some point, just to but not come like you said, not come back uh, to the same degree of commitment that you had all these years. Because I'm sure it's it's uh, it's a commitment, you know, it's a for the long haul, and I'm sure it takes a toll, you know. And this is the thing because I talk to many. Uh, artists, uh, friends, and um, I have a couple also people that are coming to the podcast, and it seems to be the recurring theme that, you know, it comes to a point where you're kind of like, get, like you said, jaded, retire, sometimes to give it a rest, you know, try something new and different. Now, if you were not sculpting, <laughs> yeah, you burn out, you know, something that I think we all experience in life, you know, we experience even in the secular work and the any type of job we do and we find something else. But sometimes we think that artists are like the little hobbits <laughs> and the little 
you know, trapped in the little place doing stuff nonstop, you know, working for the, in the Santa shop, but you're human, you know, you're, you, you all, I'm sure you have other dreams. Like now that you're taking this time to, to really for your own health and for a lot of things in your life, a lot of reasons, is there anything that you want to do on this time during this time? As far as a second career, uh, hopefully something meaningful. Okay. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like, and I don't know if this is probably just me and my, you know, my ever, ever more laying just guilt on myself for this, that, and the other. Um, I feel like I want to do something socially redeeming. Um, <laughs> so uh, that that might be teaching. Uh, that might be doing some kind of charitable or social work, working for a nonprofit, something like that. That'd be great. Uh, Hopefully, you know, you never know. Like I said, if someone wants to offer me an art director job that I can just telecommute with, that would be great too. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't see that happening. Well, I want to say, uh, Tim, I, I thank you for your time. Um, I admire your work. I have done whatever decision you make. Another thing that I didn't mention early on, something that I really like about you. Um, you post a lot of memes on Facebook, a lot of crazy memes that make me laugh throughout the day. There's some really clever ones. And, uh, it's like every time I'm just scrolling through Facebook, like in any day, you know, you go to work, you do the things that you got to do. Sometimes are hard days and you deal with, I deal particularly with clients, with customers, with a lot of things. So some days are just not that good. And all of a sudden I go to Facebook, like most people just scroll and then you see something that is funny, make your day. And you've, you've been there doing that. Also, I know that you are uh, a man of faith um, with your family, and um, uh, you have expressed that, which is something that is, is good to have, something that is surprising. I'm a Christian as well, and uh, sometimes it's hard to see uh, in this industry that, you know, that there's still there's a need, a spiritual need for people to share, you know, more than just the work or the art, but also to share meaningful, uh, have meaningful conversations you know, with others, you know, and really building th those relationships. Uh, I will tell you, like I was talking to a friend yesterday. It's not all about just the plastic that we built and that we share, or we build these collections, but it's about building those relationships, you know, those bridges with people. And I think that's the most important part is I can treasure from the time that I've been here. It's not necessarily the memories of the collectibles that I collected over the years, but mostly the people that have met over the years, people like you, people involved in the industry, but also collectors. I think that's the, in the end, the message of it, you know, to build those bridges, you know, and um, I want to say thank you for the years that you have done this work. Um, I don't know what the future says, you know, what brings we, the, the, the future is always unwritten. So, but uh, so far you have been, you have brought a lot of joy uh to my life with your work um over the years there were times that i didn't even know who the sculptor sculptor was until later and it was you <laughs> so i've seen your work and i seen it in person and it, i had it had bring so much joy in some of the darkest moments of my life too so uh i want to say thank you for what you have done thank you for saying that all right tim any last words you want to share before before we go any advice to anyone that wants to, again, that wants to be part of this industry and they're looking up to you and they say, well, I want to be like Tim Miller. Any advice that you want to share? Um, be ready to sacrifice. If, if this is what you want, 
you just have to know you've, you've got to be willing to sacrifice. Work harder than everybody else. Um, but more than anything, 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 be kind. All right, Tim. I want to say thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart once again. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, we'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you and your family for your recovery too uh, and for everything to go well. So, um, yeah, you can come over here and say hi really quick. <laughs> hey, say hi to everybody. hello. This is my real work in progress. This is Henry. All right, we're saying goodbye. Bye bye. All right, thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me, JP. You're welcome. God bless you. You as well.